0: All right. What's going on, everyone? It's Wednesday, May 18th. I'm Zachary Crockett, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. We've got the whole Hustle newsletter team back in the house again today. And uh, I've got a question for everyone off the bat here. I want to know what your favorite thing about staying in a hotel is. Jacob Cohen, let's start with you.
1: Favorite thing about staying in a hotel? The continental breakfast without a question. Oh, okay. What's your go-to item? Probably a nice little parfait. Would get the job done oh, for okay. me.
0: getting yeah. fancy on us. <laughs> Juliet bennett Riley. what are you thinking?
2: Uh, I like the opportunity to meet strangers I will never see again.
3: Oh, very nice. Mm. <laughs> Love that. Rob Letters? I think my go-to, it's a tie between the towels and room service. Mm. Those are really my two favorite things I think about staying in a hotel. Towels is a good answer. That's underrated. Yeah. What about you, Zach? You're not getting away from this one.
0: I'm going to go with... So I always felt guilty about using the tiny bars of soap, but right. as we recently wrote in our Sunday story, the soaps are recycled and reused and turned into new soaps. So now I feel pretty good about it. There you
3: go. Your conscience is clear.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go with the mini toiletries. Interesting fact though, nobody said getting targeted by brands while watching TV. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But coincidentally, that is what we're going to be talking about today. Apparently, Marriott is dumping a bunch of money into this master plan. We're going to be talking about that. We're also going to be going over McDonald's pulling out of Russia. We've got some big tech layoffs and why Home Depot's latest numbers might bode well for the housing market. But before we get into that, let's do a quick rundown of what else is going on in the business tech world. So Spotify is going to let select artists promote NFTs on their Spotify profiles. Among the first artists are Steve Aoki and the Wombats. Mm. Microsoft doubled its budget for raises and increased the level of stock-based compensation by 25% for employees below the senior director level. And the CEO, Satya Nadella, said that the moves are an effort to retain top talent, which is obviously a big thing right now in tech. And Apple is pushing back its plans to have workers return to the office three days per week due to increased COVID cases. The company is also requiring masks for employees at 100 stores across the U.S. All right. uh, Let's just jump in here. Juliet, you got some news on McDonald's pulling out of Russia.
2: Yeah, it's over. It's over between those two. Following the invasion of Ukraine, we saw several companies pause their business in Russia. McDonald's was one of them. At the time, they closed 800 Russian stores. Now, that was supposed to be temporary. It resulted in a loss of about $127 million and that was split between inventory that they just couldn't use in quarter one and then also they had continued paying salaries for their Russian employees. Mm. But now, McDonald's has decided that owning stores in Russia is no longer tenable and not consistent with its values. So, that's it. They're gonna to sell all the Russian stores, 15% of which are franchises, to a local buyer. They expect to write off about $1.2 to to $1.4 billion, and they'll all be de-arched, which is, uh, I thought this was really interesting, McDonald's uses this term to refer to a store that loses its arches. And so it's, you know, the branding, the name, the logo, the menu, everything. Wow. What's interesting here is the first McDonald's opened in 1990, and that's back when Russia was the Soviet Union. So what's like a greater symbol of American capitalism than a McDonald's? But (laughs) it was really popular. People lined up in super long lines, even though the prices were kind of high compared to Soviet rages. It was a big hit. Obviously, it took off. They opened 800 of these things, and now they're done. There are other things we might see happen here. It's kind of up in the air and it probably depends on what the franchise agreement is. But we saw Starbucks, they have 130 Russian stores. They made an agreement with a licensed partner that operates them to pause those for now. Mm-hmm. Yum Brands, they own a bunch of restaurants, they have suspended operations at about 1,000 KFCs and 50 Pizza Huts. (laughs) Burger King's parent company actually wanted to close their stores, but the franchisees said no, so now they're trying to dump their steak. So it'll be interesting to see, unfortunately, if this continues to go on, this war, uh, what other companies will decide to do. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure that first uh, McDonald's in Moscow had 30,000 customers on its first day.
2: Yeah, it was huge. Nuts.
1: Dasvidanya to that. Wasn't there like a viral video of a guy, he like handcuffed
0: himself to a McDonald's when it was closing down in Russia? Or I think maybe <laughs> that was a different fast food chain, but.
2: Yeah, I saw uh, an actor super glued his hand to a counter at Starbucks to protest the vegan milk upcharge, but.
0: Uh, right, totally different world we're living. The vegan
3: milk
2: upcharge. Wow. <laughs> yeah, because it's like more for oat milk. Or, you know, whatever.
3: Yeah. I just love the term de-arched. Like, I, I just <laughs> mm-hmm. want to start using that for things that aren't related to McDonald's for some reason. It feels like it's widely applicable.
2: It feels weirdly final. Like, I don't want to say yeah. sad because I'm not like yeah. a huge McDonald's fan, but it feels like, like, I don't know, like being excommunicated or something. Like, it feels very, right. this is the You're end. Using
1: your badge as a cop or
2: something. Yeah. <laughs> badge and your gun. No,
1: it's like, you know, those images when some dictator's statue gets knocked down. I feel like that's what I'm visioning you see like a wrecking ball come hitting the mcdonald's arch <laughs> <laughs> it'll be interesting to see what happens to all that real estate in russia how it's repurposed Do we know if it's like some other brand is just going to take over these stores and call instead of calling things? What is it? Big Mac? It'll be like big. So
2: McDonald's had in in the letter that they sent out saying that they were going to do this de-arching, they had said they were looking for a local buyer. And what they wanted was to kind of ensure that people who had worked at the McDonald's could work at whatever they became. So I think the intention is that they will become some other kind Mm. of fast food restaurant. Interesting, But I mean, we've seen Pizza Hut's turned into museums and all all sorts of things. So it's it's hard (laughs) to say.
0: Yeah. All right, let's uh, move on to the next chain here. Rob, what is going
3: on at Marriott? Yeah, so just taking a step back to give the context on Marriott's move. So third-party tracking has obviously gotten a lot harder since Apple launched its app tracking transparency update, which I think immediately knocked off like 10 billion in revenue for Facebook. It's been this massive kind of wave in social media advertising and digital advertising in general. And now Google is also considering outlying third-party tracking on Chrome. So in response, we've seen like all of these kind of unconventional companies jump into the advertising space. A few of the ones that have done so recently are Walmart, CVS, and Macy's, which are all touting this first-party data that they have on their customers and their kind of platform, more specifically like their stores and apps as ways that brands can get in touch with, not necessarily specific customers, but types of customers based on kind of their past activity. So Marriott's getting into the mix, as you said, Zach, Mm -hmm. it's called Marriott Media Network. Basically what they're gonna do is they're gonna let brands target consumers on Marriott's app through the TVs in its hotel rooms, and eventually in hotel lobbies, gyms, and bars across Marriott locations. The cool thing about Marriott is they're obviously a travel company or a hospitality company. The people that are staying at Marriott are going to need very specific things. So they can offer brands a really unique and specific value proposition, Mm -hmm. access to consumers who need things like ground transportation, restaurants, and entertainment wherever they're visiting. But because of this, it's a really crowded space already. So we covered this, I think, last month, but there are a few different tech players that are trying to become kind of the go-to one-stop shop for travel. Google Travel has Google Maps, Google Flights, and other tools that help people plan their trips. Uber recently announced that they're going to let users book planes, trains, buses, and car rentals through the app. And then Airbnb has been offering experiences for a really long time, along with all of their places to stay. So there's a lot of people there that are kind of trying to make this thing happen. Hmm. The other differentiator from Marriott is they have a crazy rewards program that has 164 million members and has like cultish loyalty. I actually had a buddy who wow. was a Marriott's points guy in his last job and he was religious about staying in Marriott. Like he would not stay in any other hotel and he at any given time could tell you exactly how many points he had with Marriott and exactly how much that equaled in US dollars. It was incredible. And I think they have a lot of people that are like this, but the other thing that the program allows Marriott to do is it allows them to know when members are traveling. So they're likely going to be able to allow brands to target people before their trip. Yeah. And while they're basically a captive audience in Marriott's hotels. Yeah. So a couple of pretty powerful value props for Marriott there.
1: Yes. I think this value prop has a lot more to offer brands than like The kind of stuff you'll see at Macy's. Yeah. But also I'm curious to see in practice how useful it is because I feel like there already is a ton of marketing really even at a a very local level that takes place in hotels. Mm -hmm. Things from whatever's on the TV to the brochures you see, you know, on the front desk when you walk in. So I'm curious to see if the tech is actually impressive or if it's just like kind of a fancy Marriott trying to show it's relevant and and has more opportunities for growth kind of play. Sure.
3: Sure. Yeah. You
1: know how like some hotels you'll get
3: there and on the desk, they'll have like a binder of like a bunch of different things (laughs) with like different sections. And then at the end, it'll basically be like a classified section for like all their favorite places in the area. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I feel like this is kind of like the next level of that. It's like the digital equivalent to that.
1: Right. Which is a good play. It's like, as opposed to, you know, just having a binder, now it's going to be a dynamic binder (laughs) that is just ad space. So it's smart. It's very smart.
3: Right.
0: And 164 million rewards members is, that's 2% of the world population. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Like two out of a hundred people you see on the street.
3: Yeah. I was close to calling it kind of like a niche offering, but with 164 million members, like that's not very niche. It's a pretty massive customer right. base that they can target.
0: Yeah. And I would ordinarily say, you know, if Google's in the mix, it's one of your competitors. Good luck, you know? But <laughs> right. I think in this case, Marriott has an upper hand. They're kind of a nascent travel company. They're known in the space. I could see maybe Airbnb putting up a fight, but I think it really helps to already be known as a travel brand.
3: 100%. That's a really good point, Zach, because I feel like a lot of what Google does is kind of like leading up to your trip, right? It's like finding a flight, like maybe doing some trip planning, maybe using Google Maps to figure out like what restaurants are around the area. So there is a little bit of overlap between like what Marriott would be doing. Mm -hmm. But to your point, I think there is a ton of overlap between what Marriott and Airbnb are trying to do. Like I kind of feel like this is an opportunity for Marriott to let brands almost leverage their platform for like their own experiences and stuff like that, kind of how sure. Airbnb is doing on their platform, but they're not really working with brands to do it, I guess. But I also feel like there's kind of like a split in the demographic. Like I feel like people that are going to stay at Marriott are not really likely to stay at Airbnb and vice versa. Mm. So it's like they're kind of owning their own sides of the market, I think, in in some ways.
1: Personally, if I'm planning a trip, I'll look up flights, maybe I'll get a flight. And then after I get the flight is when I start seeing ads on the internet, which is kind of pointless in a way. But this improves upon that in the sense that they can target people in the moment that they're actually going to potentially spend on these things, which is a very, very valuable thing to offer. So. Sure.
3: The secret weapon there, like if they start offering their members points for booking some of these experiences mm. with brands and stuff like that, that's where it gets interesting. Because then it's like they're incentivizing people that are points hungry and that'll do anything for their Marriott points. That's where I think they could really drive some serious traction. Sure. You know? All
0: right, Jacob, we got a bit more of a somber trend to talk about next that kind of seems to be pervading the entire tech sector right
1: now. So you've seen the big giants, meta, Amazon, Uber, Robinhood, announced freezes or layoffs in the last few weeks. Coinbase told staff Tuesday it would slow hiring and reevaluate its headcount. And that's after it had plans to triple its headcount in 2022. So big, big change of pace there. There's Mm -hmm. also this website that's seen a lot of eyeballs recently, layoffs.fyi, that tracks all these layoffs at tech companies and just in the last couple of weeks, 25% of Cameo was laid off Mm -hmm. on deck, 25%. Carvana, 12%. I think that's 2,500 people. Uh, Zwift, which is a really cool company, smart fitness space, 150 people, even section four, which is Scott Galloway's business education startup, 32 people. Uh, And then of course, like better.com. I've had friends lose jobs there. Venture funding, too, is slowing down quarter over quarter. So even at the smaller startups, you're going to start seeing this. What's interesting, when you look at the data of how many layoffs are happening by month and by quarter, it's rising very fast. And it's not quite at like Q2 of 2020 numbers, but it's getting up there, which is pretty wild given where the economy, how hot the space was like two months ago. So obviously inflation is up, costs are way up, valuations are way down. Spending in a lot of these online sectors especially has slowed down considerably. And another interesting problem that this raises, it's going to challenge companies who were dealing with diversity issues. It could negatively impact a lot of hard work that was put in uh, with regards to that. The one good thing I'd say that I've seen a little silver lining is people in tech are great at using tech to connect. And we were talking in Slack earlier, people were sending around some just spreadsheets that people who were laid off had these companies put together really quickly for themselves to basically network with other people and say, here are all the really talented people that were laid off not for any personal reasons, that are looking for jobs. And those things go, they spread around Twitter and everything like wildfire. So that's that's a good thing, I guess. Sure. Yeah. So it's a little somber, a little somber.
0: Well, this last piece here could be good or somber, uh, depending (laughs) on what side you're on. But earlier this year, Home Depot, you know, biggest home improvement store in the nation, it got off to a really rough start. The rising interest rates and inflation had investors kind of spooked. And in the first few months, shares were down 30% from last year, which is huge. But yesterday, the chain dropped its first quarter earnings report, and the numbers actually exceeded expectations. Sales are up 4% from a year ago, and they posted almost $39 billion in revenue. That's actually the highest ever figure they've posted for the first quarter in company history. And uh, basically, analysts say that two things are happening here. Houses are getting older. So about 50% of single-family homes in the U.S. are now built before 1980. So a lot of those homes, you know, they're getting up in age and they need more repair work. And at the same time, home values have gone bonkers in the last two years. You know, last year alone, homes appreciated 15% on average. And all of those homeowners are now willing to splurge a little bit more for repair work. They have a little bit more cash, and Mm. they're willing to put a little bit more into their homes, given the increased value. And then, you know, lastly, we're also kind of entering peak home improvement season. When the sun comes out, the nail guns come out. Sun's out, gun's out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So big picture here. Some economists say that if you want to get a decent outlook on the housing market, just keep an eye on the home improvement store sales. There's usually some kind of correlation between how much lumber is flying off the shelves and the strength of the housing market. You know, obviously nobody knows what's going to happen with the housing market, but a lot of people right now are saying that Home Depot's robust sales um, and the fact that they kind of exceeded their outlook might be an indicator that home prices probably won't completely collapse like they did during the Great Recession. We're not going to see just a complete drop-off in home prices. It might be more of a, a steadier runoff, or even the robust value increases will continue through 2022. This should be an interesting thing to keep an eye on, and Lowe's has its first quarter results coming out shortly here too so we should get a more robust look at what that's going to look like as well. that's
1: very interesting i find these connections in the housing market very interesting these supply connections and Mm -hmm. how you can kind of get a read on the housing market based on what is going on in retail i know one thing i've written about before is in 2008 the price of milk shot up suddenly and apparently that was because there was less lumber being used when the, the housing bubble burst. And I remember this, JC. This as is a crazy. result, there was less sawdust being produced as a byproduct, <laughs> which is essential, apparently, for the comfort of cows. And wow. as a result, farmers weren't able to get as their hands on as much sawdust. The cows were more uncomfortable. They weren't producing as much milk. So the price of milk went up because of this. So, uh, mm. I love that. It's like if
3: the butterfly flaps its wings in Brazil and makes some crazy difference in New York or whatever mm-hmm. that old saying is. This is wild though, Zach. I can speak uh, directly to my own experience with this. So I think Home Depot, like, it's one of my favorite retail experiences and I am an indoor cat. I am not the type of person that is like out there doing DIY projects every weekend. No. And I just, I I walk in there and I feel so ambitious. I'm like, oh man, I'm going to completely transform my house (laughs) with this one visit. And every single time I get in there, I feel that way. It's, there's something about it. There's an energy in Home Depot that really just washes over you. But to your point about this being the season for renovations, you hit the nail on the head. We are literally putting in a fence starting tomorrow. We had somebody come by to help us like put a new cable line in and, and mount our TV last week. We are putting in a mailbox because a snowplow ran over it last year. And we're working on doing like a raised garden bed. So you want to talk about robust. The home project <laughs> list is is robust right now out here. So wow. not surprised by the uh, the home depot. <laughs> you wow. got a lot to I do. mean,
1: I think COVID's impact on like home improvement was insane. I never do home improvement of any kind. And I found myself using all kinds of tools, planted a garden, yeah, it's like it's really crazy how how when you're stuck sitting at home, you start to notice things. You want to work on things. You learn to it's whittle. It's very interesting, and it's not. Uh, I guess it's something a lot of yeah. people experienced as we
0: we're recording right now. Juliet's cat just hopped up. Even the cat's <laughs> interested in what's going on in the housing yes. market right now. She is. Yes.
2: Well, her thing is our neighbor built an entire like back house back deck. Hasn't stopped home improvement, basically, since we moved in in August, and um, (laughs) she hates it. She does not like it. Lots of loud noises. Not a big fan. I thought they were going to build a little deck. No, it just keeps going, and they're still not done. This is like the Winchester Mystery House of decks over here.
0: <laughs> so your your neighbor like accounted for like five billion of that thirty nine billion in
1: revenue. Yes, one deeper. deck <laughs> with the price of lumber these days in this economy. <laughs> yeah. Right, he, he bought <laughs> <Yeah>. six two by fours.
2: <laughs> we had this thing where you can now you can have ADUs in your backyard where you can like rent out a little house, and I'm not mm. even sure if that's what he's doing. But at first, it was like. There's the little house. And then it was like, oh, here's a fence that separates the two houses. And then it was like, I'm going to build a massive deck from fence to fence. So, yeah. like, the whole thing is deck. And I don't know. I guess if you have the time.
1: Yes. Well, at least you don't live in the suburbs where your neighbors will wake you up mowing their lawn at 7 a.m. on a Saturday. <laughs>
2: that would be the leaf blowers. fast leaf blowers. Man. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, that's going to do it for us today. If you liked what you heard, we've got a lot more tech and business coverage over at the hustle.co. Our editor is Robert Hartwig and our executive producer is Darren Clark. Thanks for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network, and we will see you tomorrow.